What's going on? No, just another day. Got a little bit better view today than a few days ago. Little birdies outside. These little birdies might fit in the birdhouse. I was going to ask, did you find a uh, double-wide version of the Rock City? <laughs> no, I, once I left the room, it left my mind. The dove's still been out there, though. I saw him, or her. Lonely. I see him now, though, just little finch-like birds. Well. If they fight each other. Um, I would imagine there's always ups and downs in the uh, social hierarchy of most animals. I'm not an ornithologist. Or pretend to be one. Mm, I always see the little birds fighting the big birds. Like they're always chasing them. Mockingbird, do you have any of those? Oh, yeah. They don't mess with me. I'm the only human they're scared of, I think. But uh, there's some here that will actually go after a hawk, maybe oh, yeah. a crow. It's. I even see non-mockingbirds. Like, let's see even other birds going after these crows or blackbirds or whatever they are. I think they're crows. It's crazy. Makes me think of that Pink Floyd song, Us and Them. Do you think that's, um, it's just part of their DNA or their nature? Or is that just like a fight or flight where they're defending their babies? Uh, Yeah, I think it's, that's both, but it comes down to that defending their nest, their babies, not so much themselves or their group. Well, it's interesting that you bring up that that's part of their tribalism because that's uh, where we're diving into today. Tribes and tribalisms, uh, not so much amongst animals, which I've got a little bit of information we'll kind of parallel on if we get that far. But what do you think that is in terms of the tribalism amongst people? I think it's been around forever. I think it's bred into us. I think it's part of being human. Um, I think people associate with groups, whether it's their race, their religion, their political party, their sports team, their nation, their creed, whatever. It's just something, no matter what it is, it's something else they can hang their flag or hang a flag of. Uh, it's, it's something in addition to their own self that gives them meaning. Like, hey, I'm part of this group. It makes them feel like they're better. More significant. Or whatever. Yeah. Is it... Uh... Like a safety in numbers, you think? Mm, that may have something to do with it. I think, I think evolutionarily, it, um, having a smaller group helps you uh, survive and multiply and go on. Whereas a large group, it's harder to do that with. So small groups have, I think, helped animals and people over time. From the caveman days on, even before then, I was reading something that said, um, "There's the dove. He's back." Um, that said, this may have been going on even before, like six million years ago, before the split between what later became chimpanzees and later became humans. It's just something that animals do. We've never really been a parts of large, huge civilizations, and large, huge civilizations to this day still haven't lasted very long. It's all went back to smaller nations. Um, I don't it's know kind how of- long... It's a funny that you say that you're saying that actually kind of conjures up the idea of I'm going to theorize why there is, um, I don't know, difficulty in the management of groups. It's natural for us to group, but uh, you're, I don't know of an example, uh, I don't know of one necessarily even in nature of large, large groups of beings. So if you have a state or even bigger a country, 
It's kind of bananas to even expect a lot of cohesiveness in that. Right. It's just our nature to be fragmented into smaller groups or tribes, if you will. An article in Newsweek, um, guy, Arthur, the author is um, E.O. Wilson. How did he put it? Let me find it in here. He says, today, the social world of each modern human is not a single tribe, but rather a system of interlocking tribes, among which it is often difficult to find a single compass. So, it's like a, what you're saying. The, like the word version of a Venn diagram. Yeah, so it's like everybody's part of a bunch of groups. Right. And they like to cheerlead for their group, whether it's a sports team or whatever. They say, yeah, I'm a part of this group. And then people who want to be like, woe is me. Like, look what bad things have done to part of this group. Oh, I'm part of that. I feel sorry for me. Or or it makes them feel maybe altruistic. Like, yeah, I'm working for these rights or this group's rights. You know, and whether they are or not, they just want to be a part of that group to make themselves feel better, I think, sometimes. In that, in that, in that sense. And then sometimes, they just like I said earlier, they just want to, maybe, I don't know if it's feel superior, but feel some type of... Uh, I don't know, meaning or greatness when their group triumphs over another group. So, I mean, translate that. I mean, why else be a fan of a sports team? I mean, there's no other reason. Like, you enjoy watching the sport, but why? The competition, but you want your team to win. No, yeah. I, I do know a few people who walk watching sport just for sport. Um, but usually, especially team sports, or I guess only team sports, you're like, yeah, that's like, that's me. I'm part of that group. Interesting. Uh, a lot of thoughts came to me during that and i would say one is it seems odd that humans we identify with a group which i usually think of identity as being something with singularity or of yourself i mean we can only we can, we are all only just one person but yet we find our identity amongst a group but then when you start breaking that group down or the individuals of that group you'll find not you and I, not me and my best friends or wives or you or any of your high school, you know, college. There's never, I would say usually, there's never going down the checklist. We meet on this, 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 and this. Matter of fact, uh, before we came on, you were talking about a friend you were, you know, planning maybe to do a little project with that politically you two guys are exact opposite each other. Pretty much in almost every aspect. We disagree. But, but we there are common, I was going to say, there's yeah. common ground, whether it be in team sports, hobbies, or something. And being mean to people we think are less smart than us, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to iron that out. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that's part of it. Like people find um, common ground in other things, and then they're in that group. So a guy goes on to say, um, people savor the company of like-minded friends and they yearn to be in one of the best, a combat marine regiment, perhaps, an elite college, the executive committee of a company, a religious sect, a fraternity, a garden club, any collection that can, can be compared favorably or favorably with other competing groups of the same category. So, like, you know, they want to join whatever, Sigma Chi, because it's better than Kappa Sig, or vice versa, or whatever. The pharmacy world, if you join Kappa Psi or Phi Delta Chi, like, you're just part of this group or that group, and... It just identifies this and that. I think, and that boils down to, um, I'd read in one of these articles that um, 
people theorize that you can really only know so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy says like 150 and the other one says 290. And it's a very, you know, the number wow. is somewhere around there. Like, and otherwise you, you can only know that many individuals like, um, I don't know if it's, uh, intimately or, you know, just in great detail. And then the rest of everything of everybody, you know, is based on stereotypes and you do that because the human brain doesn't have the capability of knowing everyone on earth, which I mean, I agree. I, I don't know everyone, but I do, um, when I see somebody, no matter what it is, I, you know, I judge them based on what I've experienced in the past. Um, I put them in a group. It's like, okay, this person's coming up. Um, what might they want from me? Are they a threat? You know, you can't help but think those things. Um, you know, a guy comes up with face tattoos or whatever. You're going to think, okay, what does this guy want? Or somebody comes up, in and look in a different way. You're going to put them in that group and think, okay, what are they going to want from me, or what can I do for them? Or you're just doing it subconsciously. Like or the flip any, to that is, you don't have any choice. Someone comes up that you know. I was just thinking when you said the face tattoo, or if you were a person with a face tattoo, you might identify real quickly with that person. Right. Yeah. Either one. Like team hats, or you know. Mm-hmm. From some of the reading I did, there was uh, a lot of compare and contrast to different animals in nature, which I got lost in a lot of interesting reading because there are a lot of social creatures, but there's also a lot of that are into solitary. And yeah. it was funny because some animals, uh, for example, big cats, um, we all know there's a pride of lions and, and the groupings we've all seen the shows and cartoons and how they're portrayed there's definitely a social uh, nature to how they're together but you have a leopard and if i remember right from one of these articles they only come together to mate period and i found that just fascinating that we're not talking about comparing a big cat to a crayfish where you know uh, as species go i would say they're you know next door genetically speaking yeah, but I don't. You couldn't consider them though. But it's different environments. Animals. They're like unsocial animals, so that is wild. But among the animals that are social or form groups, you know, they uh, they do tend to, you know, the ones that do form groups. I think those things apply to. So like even even with his ants or things like insects, they, uh, it was a big thing from what I've read in the insect world. There was a large amount of examples of being social, just as I'm sure there was an equally, because insects are the most populous thing on the planet. There's probably also a large list that were in a solitude. Right. And and part of it, like people picking a, a tribe or a group of something to uh, support. Sometimes they just want, you know, they want that look what I'm doing to make themselves feel good. Like they're altruistic. So they'll pick a group to make them look that way or get that feeling um, that they're doing something. So, I'm going to support and stand up for this group, whether they're really a part of it or not. Um, It makes themselves feel good, I think, as part of it. I don't know if I have ever mentioned this to you, but I have a memory from my eighth grade. I don't remember if it was uh, a particular subject class like math or science or just like homeroom. But I remember the teacher who uh, gave this bit of information. His name is Mr. Williams. And he uh, was my homeroom, so I can't remember. So I don't know if it was in his science or math class or it was a homeroom. but. I remember him telling us, you know, you're in eighth grade now and you know how it usually goes. It's, you know, not going to be long and you guys are going to be going to college. Those of you who want to go and are going to go. And when you go up, there was something going on in the local community, whether it was a rival was one of the other teams or something. 
And maybe that's what made him say this. I'm not sure. But he said, you know, when you get out of uh, this kind of little pocket you're in, you start finding other people that you may not necessarily think you would. And that was his, I guess, purpose in this was that as you get to college, you're going to look for people who, you know, first off, might be from your home state. Um, if that's, you know, whether you're at another state or another part of the country or even in your state, you know, because there's a lot of people come from another state to your universities. And then um, you might look for somebody who's close to your hometown and it might even be that rival town. And his example, I, I remember this as I grew up and grew older and saw the same thing happen where I would look for some kind of connection and all the way to living in Montana for six weeks. Uh, while finishing up school, working for Indian Health Services, anytime I were out and about or at the hospital or wherever I was, if you know, when you encounter people, you're getting to know them, where you're from is usually a large part of that. And anytime I identified with or, you know, found that somebody was from the South, it was, well, I wonder how close they are to me. So I, I remember that thinking there is a kinship that you form with somebody you aren't related to, right. as far as you know, and you've just met. It's it's interesting how that chemistry works. That does make me wonder. That That's an interesting thought springing up, what you're talking about, seeking out other groups. I would like to look at, um, I know, even when I was in school in the late 90s or college in the late 90s, um, Greek life was um, not as popular as it once was. But I would like to look at the amount of people who – the percentage of people who were in fraternities who weren't part of other groups. Like it seems like athletes aren't in fraternities and I think some colleges don't allow them to be. And but kids that are heavily into something else aren't generally in fraternities. Like it's like, it seems like fraternities are for the people who don't have other groups maybe. Right. And they go and join the fraternity as their group. Um, like the band kids. I mean, they had band fraternities, Phi Mi Alpha, which, um, you know, it was just for music people. But in general, though, like you didn't see people in the band joining the other social fraternities or sororities for that matter. They did a little bit, but not um, like people who weren't in anything. Like they just were there studying their major. They weren't an athlete. They weren't part of many clubs. Um, they were usually the Greek people, and that was their thing. It makes It's kind of interesting. And I, I further saw that when we went on to um, – professional school like you're if you're, whether you're there for dentistry or whatever all those groups had fraternities but they weren't taken as seriously as it was an undergrad they were more of just mm -hmm. something else to do because i think that might be because like going to school itself was your group like you had your group of people like all, all the pharmacy people stuck with the pharmacy people and the, and right. the medical campus the dental people stuck with the dental and so on and so forth i mean there was some intermingling but that was kind of their tribe and yeah there were two and then there were to further break it down. There were two maybe fraternities in each college, and um, so you could you know I don't know maybe create a smaller group, but it wasn't taken nearly as seriously as like fraternities were in undergrad. Like that was pretty a pretty serious thing. Or you know athletics. You know that was their like the people who played football at the university I went to. That was their thing. Like you know or if they were wrestlers or whatever. We didn't have a whole lot of sports, but we had uh, football and basketball and. Uh, Wrestling were the big ones, and if you were part of that, that was all that you did. Like that was your tribal group. So it's it's interesting that maybe I would like to see a breakdown of maybe people who joined fraternities and maybe they didn't continue being in band or whatever it was they did in high school or whatever sport it was. They chose to go be in a fraternity instead or sorority instead. And I would say 
um, anybody who slipped through the cracks of any of those groups you were identifying, they're, you know, these people, the remainder here, would fall into groupings that would probably be based on hobbies or common interest. I think that's right. yeah. probably one of the strongest drivers mm-hmm. is that you, I mean, it just makes sense that if you're into the similar thing. Um, I, I used to start out with definitions and we just kind of got off and roll it, which is good. But one uh, definition or way I found this to be termed is that a tribe is defined as sort of a extension of your kin group. Uh, it's not necessarily um, inclusive or necessarily exclusive, but it has always have to do with your genetic grouping or your right. famili- familial uh, groupings. But it's more of a group that's based on shared interests, lifestyles, or habits, which is kind of just reiterates, I guess, what I was saying. And they brought up the old proverb of birds of a feather flock together. And mm-hmm. we all, we've all heard that. And um, I think it was a wiki that went on to describe this as homophily. I'm not sure that I pronounced that H-O-M-O-P-H-I-L-Y. It's the human tendency to form friendship networks with people of similar occupations, interests, or habits. I saw it in several articles. I didn't know Which, if it was homophily or homophily. Or uh, yes. It, it, to me, it's one of those things I knew, but you, I always question necessarily what I know because is it just my optic observation or is it a universal truth? And it was interesting to me to find, wow, that's really substantiated amongst everything. That's everybody sees that and or is part of that, that they're, you know, th- these are the way we survive. Socially, and I think that goes back to an, an earlier time in our existence where it was not about socially. There was definitely a social aspect, but some articles, I'm sorry, I, I should have wrote down who this was to give them credit, but they were talking about in, in early uh, man days, if you were part of your tribe, your family clan or whatever, that if you got your feelings hurt or if you, you know, were found guilty of something or whatever happened that might make you choose to or you to be excluded from the group, that might mean death. Because yeah. in an uncivilized world, I don't know how well we can survive alone, which is kind of the interest and buzz, if you will, in some of these shows where sur- not survivor, because that's a whole different thing, but like alone. I don't, have you ever watched that? Yeah, I think so. Where literally it is just you in a wilderness setting with no civilization outside of a few basic things they let you have and to see if you can hack it. And the uh, ones that are skilled with, you know, building fires and getting game and or Mm. harvesting food in whatever way they can, you know, they're going to obviously go longer than someone who can't do that. But the toward the end of the groups, um, they're all individual spread far apart but toward the end of the show i guess you see the mental side start taking its toll or appears to be on some where there is something that's lacking in this alone world i don't know if it's like a a blow-off valve or something whatever that is there's some things i can't even put my finger on that some of these folks were making it just fine or at least showing us that they were making it fine whereas some would have like some kind of accident or tragedy and they're all self-filming this is just how we all get to see it. And it just blows way out of proportion for the incident in of itself. And I think a lot of that is because they just haven't been around anybody in a long time. And I'm not going to say they're clinical, but you kind of get a little nutty. Yeah. Well, and 
the reverse of that or another way to look at it is, I mean, when you're just on your own like that, like you're dependent on yourself for everything. Whereas if you're a part of a group, you're kind of only responsible for one thing that overall the whole group supplies everything. Whereas you're just responsible for one thing the group depends on and that's your thing. Whereas an individual, you have to do everything for yourself where you're right. kind of dependent on others to do the other things. And therefore the total sum is greater than the, um, or the, the total is greater you than the You have a division of, of labor. When you have a group so that it enables you to have some amount of rest or downtime or not have the mental taxing exercise of knowing every single solitary thing about my existence lies on my shoulders. That's a lot. Yep. You got to do it all. What is this? Oh, that same article I quoted earlier, the Newsweek one, um, as far as like you're talking about prehistoric man, um, it says our bloody nature it says, it can now be argued in the context of modern biology is ingrained because group versus group was a principal driving force that made us what we are. It says, in prehistory, group selection lifted the hominids to heights of solidarity, to genius, to enterprise, and then to fear. So you think what that means is, you know, stable to, you're not, you're not forced to be um, gathering food all the time and you know, day-to-day survival, so you can start thinking about things, which where they come to the genius. Then once you start thinking about things, you can then move Develop on tools. to, yeah, like you can move on to enterprise where you're, you know, food and all that's just a given. Like you can just go get it with money. And then so you can start the greater things like art and and music and stuff like that for further as you want, all from just, you know, division of labor from the group. It's it's an interesting thought exercise to think uh, whether it's you, me, whoever that might be hearing us, that when you're having those moments, whether it's something related to politics or whatever that makes us have this sort of woe is me or, man, we're really going downhill to think, yeah, hold on for a second. We wouldn't even be in this luxurious spot of being able to observe and take on these all these thoughts and worries if it weren't for these other people and not necessarily the ones that you're at, main, uh, angry at or mad or upset with, but just the fact of other people in general, because it, it really takes a group of people to get where we are. There's no way we could be in the society that we are right now without groups of people upon layers of groups of people over and over and over. And I, I don't know, I kind of get some satisfaction out of that thinking. Well, I don't, it kind of gets um it's all bad but I, it's it was so far in humanity it's it's been proven to be a good thing like it's helped us to be where we are today and it's you know we pretty much have a civilized society across the globe i mean there are places where it's not but we still have that need and that drive to be tribal um i think ingrained in us and that's where all this new negative stuff is coming like where you're trying to find a tribe and you say, oh, it's I'm only going to be part of this group. And then you so you're only seeing views from that group. And it's starting to be starting to be a negative characteristic now. Like it's it's um it's like just like in politics, when you, you only surround yourself with one way of thinking, and it doesn't have to just be politics. It can be anything. And you just become more ingrained or entrenched in your own view. And it just starts spiraling out of control to where you hate everyone who is in the other group, whether y'all have similar interests or not in anything. And that's where these new negatives of being tribal are coming about because it's, I think we still have that need and drive to be that way. Um, but the, it's not needed anymore because we've found a way for these societies to work on a much larger scale than they did in the smaller tribal groups. Now society is huge and we've, 
applied all the things we learned in small groups to apply to the large group, but yet we still have that need to be a part of some other smaller tribe. Just It's just ingrained in us. So we're picking these other things like politics or race or whatever to be our thing, and we find reasons to hate the other group just because it's they're not part of our tribe because that has um, facilitated good good outcomes in the evolution of our species in, in a thousand years ago. It, it's still part of us. So I think that's where that it, it can turn bad. It, it's funny that uh, as I think about this and sort of illustration in my mind of if you're part of a society or a group that is so vast, now obviously we're all part of the world and then you break it down to your hemisphere and your region, more specifically your country. And I know not all countries in the world are the size literally of population or geography as ours, but Within that particular example, it's almost like when you're part of something so big, it's almost uh, the same as being in that wilderness kind of thing, because one of many is almost akin to being one out in the forest, because oh, yeah. you're just part of you, you, It's so dilute. Your role in it might be so dilute that you don't get those positive feedbacks that that we were talking about that you get from the small groups, which I think is inevitably why no matter what organization we're talking about, business, a church, a school, a team, I mean, every, you know, whether you're talking a group of 10 people, a hundred people, a thousand people, a million people, every, as you scale up, the more and more fractures exist because there is that, I don't know, the psychologist would help us a lot here, but there is a social need that even goes beyond kind of the division labor you and I were talking about, at least for humans. I don't know how much that applies to all the other animals, but it it goes beyond even kind of those obvious things. Well, I'm going to take care of defense and you take care of growing crops. It goes just to that, like what we're doing right now. Conversation, I think, is a requirement of humans. Some may, might need more, some might need less, but I think that's part of our social structure. Well, maybe the uh, maybe then it's just conflict in general that they some of them maybe that's part of it too. They, they like you yearn you yearn for conversation, which is really just yearning for input from another person that you can relate to. And so maybe if you have that, then you have the equal need for conflict. You, you think that yearning for conversation or whatever it may be called that you're needing that social part of this structure is it uh checks and balances where you need to be told where you're right and you're wrong on a subconscious level i don't know right, if everybody's so, aware of that so maybe you're arguing with yourself subconsciously but you want to argue with another person to see where your ideas are right or wrong and you're trying to prove because maybe you don't know so you want to prove it in a um adversarial way with another person right. someone that maybe you consider equal or that you can bounce ideas off of that you don't necessarily agree with. And maybe, you know, it's not, maybe some of that has to be violent. Like, um, the people who straight up hate and want to kill people who are different from them. Maybe they're just trying to prove it to themselves that their hate, their inner feelings are justified. And like, if I can kill this person to get rid of them, maybe I'm superior to them. Maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't know, but I think there has to be something there. There has to be something to that. The more I studied this thought and researched and read, the more I realized this is a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. As yeah. I, I knew it was a large topic, but it really can take, you know, truncate into all kinds of different things besides 
pluses and minuses of the existence and big groups, small groups. Um, but even amongst groups or countries, the idea of the enemy of my enemy is my friend, which I think was quoted in mine in your lifetime, probably by more than one leader. But I remember hearing that during some political speech or during a time of war. So I wanted to look up and see how long has that phrase been around? Was that something that was coined during our time? And what I found was that it's actually an ancient proverb that suggests the obvious explanation here of two opposing parties can or should work together against the common enemy. The earliest known expression of this was from 4th century BC, which I thought was pretty interesting that that notion has always been around. Well, not always, but been around for a very long time. It was not just something... When groups got large enough to where that was, I mean, yeah, maybe not even large, small enough. It would be interesting to look back. I mean, if you could take a time machine back to um, like Homo erectus days and see if two groups ever combined against a common group, it would be and nice I, to know that. Or you could maybe just go back as, as short as um, um, like Native Americans. Like if. Oh, uh, that this you're just really hitting an interest now. I've finishing listening to a book the title escapes me at this moment but i'll remember it because i'll plug it just because it's an excellent book but it was mostly about the comanche tribe in north america and it is absolutely fascinating and there's a lot of stuff i learned about their culture and their how they treated each other that was not really nice and um I just in that's their opposite. own or the other um, groups. The the most shocking thing was kind of well, all right. So this tribalism, as we're talking about, kind of gets into the idea of groups. And naively, I will say, as you know, white males in modern time, it might be possible. Maybe everybody's much smarter than me, but to kind of lump things together that you aren't familiar with because of a big name like Native American. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys did not get along well with their neighbors. Because they were the ones that were known for kind of kicking butt and taking names of all, not not of the white settlers, which that's a whole other story, which is a lot of part of what this book's about. But it goes into their culture and how they did the same to all the ones around them. Now, funny, that's not where they came from. Their origin was of a much more, uh, I don't know if meek is the right word, but they weren't that... Um, out and conquering kind they kind of were the conquered if you will i wish i could remember some of the roots to some of these things and be a little bit more specific but it is a fascinating book that talked about you know this kind of where they started as a native tribe and somehow or another i can't remember the exact details i think it had to do with some things coming out of mexico and some invasions and battles there but they became uh the greatest horsemen essentially which is what enabled them to uh essentially own the plains because they honed their skills on horses when it comes to fighting as well as transportation and everything that at least as it was reported to me in this book that no other tribe really did. Now I'm not saying no other tribes use horses because I don't believe that's true at all. And that they didn't say that, but it, they learned how to, you know, sling uh, spears, uh, bow and arrow from a horse at full trot and they would start their young males out on a horse at four or five years old. Now, it would not be, you know, the full on war horse, but it would be that would be their first exposure. And so that's how they were just by their teen and later teen years. They were just experts on these things mm-hmm. and, and outdo any tribe because, you know, it's like having a it is a you know a vehicle. It gets you in and out of a situation more quickly if you can. um do like some of their warriors did and hang off the side of the horse and shoot under the neck. So you're using the horse to kind of shield you from the enemy fire. 
It was incredible to listen to all the things what, those guys could do. What region of the country were they mostly in? Was that west or down south? Um, Oklahoma. Their kind of root tribe. I, I'll, I'll look it up here in a second. They were from the mountains in Colorado. I don't remember exactly what part of Colorado. And then talking about how you know natives moved around and, and they all developed as different warring tribes and all. They came more to the Great Plains, uh, the Low Plains. In Oklahoma, Texas, and some New Mexico, and down into I guess what you know Mexico itself. That particular area would be where they're at. the the story itself that's in the book has a lot to do with like early Texas settlement and how the um, white settlers and their run in with the natives and how that went. And there's a uh, there's a famous um, lady. I, it, her name escapes me. When you, I'll let you have the mic here in a minute. I'll look all this up. But it's stories about her and her family. She was taken by a tribe as a young girl. And what happened on that raid is just like, well, blood curling. Killed the men, uh, raped and or killed the grown women. Uh, babies, they killed immediately. Talking about the settlers' babies. And if the kids were in the right age, which is how she survived, I don't know if it's because they had, it obviously it wouldn't be mercy, but the reason they killed the babies was they, they didn't have anybody to take care of them. You know, they weren't like they had formula and milk, so it was just an inevitable thing right. that they couldn't do. So they put them out of their misery, so to speak. Um, and I guess that four or five to nine-year-old range, they were young enough that they could kind of take them on and they would become part of them because that's exactly what she did. And it's uh, it's a super interesting story. I don't know a lot about um, stuff like that, but I mean, that's more obviously of a developed tribal thing. Is that's their actual group? And like you were saying earlier, um, if you didn't go along with the group's ideals and politics, you could just be excommunicated, and then that might only be might be ultimately um, definitely a death sentence to be kicked out of the group. And they had their ways of doing that. Like there was, there was um, stories of people who got, I don't know where they use it, wasn't excommunicated, but that's essentially what it was that got kicked out of the group. Or there were times where they normally would have been kicked out of the group, but they got some exception made. It's just interesting how they do all that. What about other types of groups people pick? Like you would be born into usually, or, you know, kidnapped into a group like that, um, your creed group. Um, but what about groups like something as simple as, uh, and how it might blind you? Like some people are just like, you know, I'm Chevy only or Harley Davidson only, or I only buy Hondas or I only buy Toyotas. Some of those are by experience. Um, like I know people who are fanboys of each. Um, I was a huge Honda fanboy after owning many Fords as a young man and, all my friends who had Hondas didn't have the same problems as I did. So I wanted a Honda, Honda, Honda. And I, over time, was like, well, that's the only car I can own. But I always liked American cars. So I really never gave them a, a, a chance until recently. And so I purchased one, um, going against my better judgment, thinking, mm, I don't know if I want to buy one of these or not. Um, but I ended up getting a Dodge. And uh, it's been a pretty good car. So... I guess what I'm saying with that is sometimes you get entrenched in these things, not because you chose them, but because it's of experience. So you start being a fan of whatever group or brand and you don't really give the other ones a chance. Maybe they, maybe they have changed. And I know that's, that's been my case with, with Dodge. Um, and same, I think I hear the same thing with people hating on Harley Davidson. I think they're better than what they were. 
um, in the eighties and nineties, and people just just want like to hate on things. They don't give anything else an opportunity. And I don't know if that's part of that we were talking about earlier with the you have to have something to to hate on or um, something to cause uh, some type of animosity. Uh, but I don't think people sometimes they they pick their little group and then they don't ever waver from it. I don't know how you can be that way. Like I, I mean, I like certain things. I mean, I'll never be um, a, a fan of a sports team I can't stand. Um, that'll probably never change. But I like to give some things that I wasn't necessarily a part of a group of before the opportunity to show me that maybe it's different. The problem comes when people don't do that. They don't allow um, even the idea that something might be better than they perceived it before and just to their own their own loss i guess i mean i guess it's not the end of the world but it's their own their own loss that they don't give something a chance to experience it have you found your info yet yes uh the empire excuse me empire of the summer moon by sc gwen is a fascinating book it is Story of the Comanches, the, the lady I was referring to, or which was a young girl at the time, was Cynthia Ann Parker. She was part of this Parker family household settlement. And I don't want to give too much away because it's an absolutely awesome book. But um, she was found, I don't know how many years she'd been. She brought into the tribe and she became one of them, so to speak. And at one point in time, there was a conflict the uh, with the settlers of that particular area or army or rangers i can't remember which and they discovered this is not a quote native she had kind of looked like them because of a lot of different reasons and but they knew i believe this is a a white person or some roots thereof so she was not taken in the massacre and killed or anything she was taken more as prisoner and brought back and then to their discovery it's like wow this is the one that went missing when that raid happened on that family and to make this how many years later was this i would say 10 but i'm not exactly sure of that i would say young to was she speaking english before or yes she she was was speaking english before and she could speak it upon return but she for i think personal reasons almost strictly referred to comanche language because she was Hmm. so part of that here this is kind of the example and it's just one but of a story of when people say given the chance of being part of our advanced world or another world most people in theory people say is they'll take the advanced one here's a case where that did not happen because she was captured by them brought up with them brought back by quote her people and then she tried many times to escape to get back to them like she she did not want to be part of the settlers world or the white man's world of that day and time of the 1860s 70s in that range it's fascinating book but back to your brands um I have been part of that situation where you have your, I'm loyal to this and I'm a fan of this thing because of the brands associated with it. And then as time went on and things within the brand might have been letdowns and or just seeing, well, it's it's a little hokey to ha- hold these things a little too close. Yeah. After all, we're talking about vehicles, not more important things of the world you know everybody's uh, i'm glad they all exist and i like to look at lots of them that i may not ever want to own but i'm glad we don't just have like two choices you know like chocolate or vanilla ice cream i'm glad there's 31 flavors or more but um 
I, I don't have the same reasons I once did, and I'm not opposed to exploring things, but I, there is definitely bad memories of things that let one down. Oh, yeah. I haven't owned a Ford since the late 90s because of the issues I had with it. Like, my dad hates Chevrolets, and he says he'll never own a Chevrolet. And I'm like, well, you know, they're pretty much all the same now. They're very similar as far as American or Japanese. Like, the Japanese are more similar to other Japanese, but... Really, I think they're all pretty good quality. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a necessarily a fanboy to anything. We have, we have a Nissan, a Toyota, a Honda, a Harley, a Chevy, and a Dodge at my at my house. And some of those are, um, uh, motorcycles and uh, other vehicles, not necessarily cars. But I have something a little of everything. And they've all had their issues. None of them are as terrible as they used to be. I think maybe they've just, just uh, everything's just improved. Um, you think as everything improves, whatever we're talking about, it um, decreases some of that tribalism, or is it always prevalent? I think it's going to be prevalent among the people who care. I think less and less people are into cars now than than there were. So I don't know that it'll. I don't know that it'll matter. I know more people now who who would just like to have. Let's say if they're into uh, pony cars, they they doesn't really matter if it's a, a Mustang, a Charger, a Challenger, or a Camaro. They just would like to have one of those, and they just pick which one they think looks the best. Um, they wouldn't pick it just because their dad had Chevrolets. They want to get a Camaro. I think it's just. I think there'll be less of that brand loyalty, um, all, except for maybe truck owners. The truck owners are like the apparently the hardest ones to ever convert from going to another brand once they buy that brand. Me, I don't. I, I have a Nissan Titan. I had a F Ford F one hundred, but it was so old. It was a seventies model in the nineties, so it's not a fair comparison. Um, but I mean, I don't think I, if I bought another truck, it would necessarily be a Nissan. I'm not saying it wouldn't be, but I think brand stuff like that maybe is is, is going away. But there are people out there though that I know that that's all they steal. That's all that they'll get. Like a good friend of mine, all he'll buy are Chevrolet vehicles, um, and it's like, well, maybe. Maybe you you might like the new Dodges. You might like the Tundras. You might. Have you ever even given it a, a thought? No. I'm just, no. Hmm. Nope. It's what a no. It's what a lock. I'm like, well, that's fair enough, I guess. But you may be I mean, the only person you're really hurting yourself by not trying it. I Same think- with like food types. Like we find like people get into this. I don't like this type of food. I'm like, well, you've never really even tried it. Why don't you? give it a try. Like, nope, I don't like it. Like I know people who love Chinese food, but they will not give other Asian food a try. Like they just have it in their mind. They hate Thai food or they hate. That's, that seems anything. very odd to me. And it's like, well, <laughs> they're, they're not, they're not the same. They are very different, but they just, but they had to have branched you, out to even get the Chinese food at some point. Right. Uh, and it's like, like when we say to them, Hey, we want to go get some Thai or you want to go get some sushi or you want to go get this. Like, why don't we just go get some Chinese? And it's like, well, that's not, the same. I mean, I could go get some Chinese. That's fine, but that's not the same. Or like um, every now and then, like I will, uh, I'll get a Pepsi at work, and it drives people what? crazy who are super <laughs> Coke people. I'm like, well, I generally do like Coca Cola products better, but every now and then I want to get a uh, just give Pepsi a try. And then there's another worker who that's all she'll drink is Pepsi. I'm like, you ever tried Coke? Yep, yeah, don't like it. It's too strong. I'm like, well, <laughs> but have you? Do you not like to challenge your old memories or your old opinions on things? Maybe you might like it. Now, never will I be an Alabama or Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Now, we just lost three listeners <laughs> that can't pronounce the words we've been saying anyway. don't know what I mean, but 
Oh, well, it, that's different. But as far as products go, I don't. I just don't know why people get in these groups that they have to be this or have to be that. And it can even be like instruments. Um, back in my youth, there were people who were Fender guys, and then there were um, people who were Les Paul guys. And you know, theirs were better. And I think Epiphone's a part. Is Epiphone? Uh, is that part of Les Paul? I can't remember now, but I they, can't were, remember. You know, they thought they were so much better. Or they're the ones that hated both of those, and they would go get like a uh, uh, like a locally created or locally built guitar, like Warrior Bass in Chattanooga or whatever is around. Um, they were they're a part of that. They're different. They're not, they're not going to have one of those. And it's like, well, have you tried one? Like, do you know for sure you hate it? I mean, I know that guy over there plays it. He's a loser, and I don't like him either. But maybe just because he likes it, it's not that bad, right? You experienced that. <laughs> Yeah, and many things that I kind of cross over to our man, like <laughs> I can't. There's people I know who won't won't even touch a mellow yellow or a Mountain Dew sun drop only. And I'm like, yeah, but 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 the, I mean they're different. Just nope, I like sun drop. Well, I like it too. But uh, I mean, we're talking about different things. I know, but it's still it's still a group. It's still their tribe. I think I said they're they're a sun they're a sun drop person, and that's who they are. I think in the backing up to the vehicles. The proof to me that it's just not the same world that we grew up in in terms of that is there would have never been a multi-branded dealership of competing brands. Now, you might have Ford, Lincoln, Mercury or Chevy and Pontiac or whatever, but mm-hmm. I in certain travels will see dealers that clearly are owned by the same guy because it's Joe Blows Toyota. And then two blocks you later, it's the street, Joe yeah, Blows. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Wow. <laughs> It, th- those days are gone. I know a guy that has the, all three of the big GMs in in our area, and I know a guy who has all Japanese too, like all three Nissan, Toyota, and whatever another one would be. He's got like three different ones of those too. So That's I think it. that that world has changed. That it's just not ever going to be parallel to what we saw. Uh, there's still going to be you know brandies. Well, you know of what it. hasn't changed was they don't allow us. Harley will not allow theirs to be sold at only a Harley dealership. Like you may go to a multi. Like if you go to a um, I can't think of the word. Uh, what are those kind of vehicles called? Not UTVs or ATVs, but side by side generic name. <laughs> no, just a generic name for like vehicles like that. I, I can't think of it. But if you go to a dealership that sells motorcycles and and um, side by sides and four wheelers and dirt bikes, yada yada yada, there'll be somebody who sells Suzukis and Yamahas and Kawasaki's and Hondas, and they'll sell Indians and whatever. But you'll never see them sell except for used Harley Davidsons and a Harley Davidson dealership. Will never sell anything but Harley Davidsons. I don't think they're even allowed to sell used other brands. Hmm. Um, so that's one they try to keep their brand separate from everybody, whether that's good or bad. I don't know. It's worked for them in the past, but as we see nowadays, stuff doesn't seem to be going so good for them. Yeah, I wonder how long that will last. Now, I think what is the modern day version of the automobile is technology, and specifically, I mean your oh, phone, yeah. phones, and computers. Gosh. Why? Why are they? And people are like hardcore about it. Like I enjoy my Apple products. Um, I liked my Android when I had one. I like my PC computer. I'm now I've switched over to MacBook, but I don't understand why people, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just like try and see which one is the best brother? Because people for you quick to hate on, like I found it more so that Android people are super quick to hate on Apple people. Like everyone I know in my life, it was cause you got that crappy Apple. And it's like, 
really? I mean, is that mm-hmm. really why? I mean, why are you so – I don't ever remember being like, oh, it's because you have an Android. Except when I do get the less than text messages with the little green bubbles. And I just know you're a lesser person because <laughs> you have an Android. But besides that, I don't know what <laughs> where they're coming from. Yeah, I, I I don't understand that either. It's a little bit of, I think it's probably a little bit of a bad taste. They probably owned one, or some, not all of them, but I know some who've owned one who just didn't have a good experience with it. And I can't blame them for that. It's literally like what you said, find what you like when you're talking about food. And if you don't like the way it works or how it operates, that's fine. What I don't understand is the can probably the continued vitriol that usually goes with that. Do you think they'll ever be like, you know, on our MacBooks, it's connected to our um, phones and whatnot. You can text on everything. Do you think it'll ever be where if you have an Android phone, you'll be able to text from it on your computer? Like would that day will come. There may already be an app or something. I would be surprised if there's not, because one of the things I, at least I have seen through limited eyes, because I do have the Apple products, is it seems like they're not being Apple, not always the first to have X, Y, or Z. Like there's all there's more innovation and willingness to kind of go out on the edge of whatever from the other brands or software creators or whatever. Apple is a very yeah, they were creating a business con- controlling now, things, yeah. and I don't think that they're going to necessarily want to try to be the first to set it They want to have what they term the best of whatever the set there is. Yeah, I was reading something about Apple. Uh, earlier this week about the iPhone 12 supposed to be revolutionary and I don't know enough about all these things to know if that's true or not but it was basically talking about you know Samsung's their biggest competitor I think Apple uses LG products maybe uh, OLED or something Samsung makes the screens for I Apple don't, I, I don't think anymore I think Okay they did as of the 11s anyway I think they yeah, cuz Samsung is their biggest competitor I think they're pumping money into LG to be the uh to be their screens or something but yeah I know Samsung parts are in uh, that was something that intrigued me when I was a kid. I would like, you know, try to tear stuff apart to see how it worked. And I would, I don't know if it was a CD player or whatever, a game system. And you'd see like Toshiba parts inside of it. I was like, wait a minute. I thought that was a, thought that was a competing brand. And I had friends <laughs> who had, um, Mazdas and Jeeps. And sometimes we would take apart and we'd be fixing something and it would have like a Ford wiring like the parts would say Ford on them. I was like, that's really weird. I don't know if somebody replaced it and put it on there, but I think Mazda and Ford have some kind of, they've always had some kind of relationship. It was my friend's Jeep yes. one time had a Ford part in it. And I was like, that's weird. I think it maybe it was before Jeep was part of Daimler Chrysler. Cause they weren't until the nineties, were they? Weren't they their own thing? I don't remember. Anyway. I don't remember either. Yeah. So Jeep was part of AMC, which was a whole separate outfit from, uh, Dodge or Ram or any of that. That is a modern tribal thing, too. In the, in the overlanding world, you have your Toyota people, and then you have your Jeep people. They both love the outdoors, but when they go on their little groups, it's always a bunch of forerunners and whatever else there is for Jeep or for um, Toyota, and then it's a bunch of Jeeps. Like They hardly intermix, except for you know individuals, but when it's a big group ride, it's always the branded version. And it's not sponsored by the brand. It's just, I'm a Jeep guy. I'm a forerunner guy. Apparently, as I'm reading, just to follow up on our Samsung LG thing, they are both part of supplying last of this article anyway. And then they were adding a third supplier in, which is a name that none of us have ever heard of. Mm. But they were relying on both. It was solely Samsung at one point, and then they did add LG and then this third company, whoever they are. 
you think there's something like anti-tribalism, like their tribe is to not be part of this tribe? Like I have a friend who used to be hardcore Republican. He voted for W twice in the last few elections. He refused to vote for the main uh, Democrat candidate, so he's always got to pick the third party one, whether it's um, Bernie Sanders or, of course, Bernie Sanders is going for the, he's always went for the Democrat nomination, but they just don't let him have it. And who was the other guy? Gary something other. Uh, yeah, I remember his last name. Something other, but so he votes for him, and then of course the two, uh, the two, the big nominees this year in the Democrat Party are Biden and and the uh, one I just said, Sanders, and so he 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 wants to support Warren. It's like you know she's not going to be the winner. Like they they always pick the one, so they can't be I guess blamed. Right. So it's like that's your tribe is the tribe of non-blame. You can't blame me. I didn't vote for. Bush or Obama or whoever. That's yeah. I don't know what you would call that. It's one. It's like you want to be part of a process, but you also want to choose a part of it that has no bearing whatsoever. I, right. I, don't, know, like, I don't know what that is. They're not into like college football, but they're they they love like the uh, the the local soccer club or what's that game where they it's like bowling on ice. <laughs> the, you know what I'm talking about with the um, little thing, the brushes in front of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of it. It's got a I can't name. either. I can't think of it. But they, Cur- curling. Um, yeah, curling. Like they, they know about the curling team up in Atlanta or something, you know. And what's that about? Like that's your tribe? Like, hmm, it's just, I'm not part of the big group. I'm so cool. That's probably what that's about. That's at, uh elite exclusionary. I, I just made that up, but I don't know what that's about. That's mm, that's a good term. To n- needing to stand out for stand out sake. Mm-hmm. Like people who say they don't like things that you know they like. It's like, come on, you don't like you don't like gummy bears. Whatever, you're a weirdo. <laughs> no, I like I like Werther's or Reginald. What? And the tribal thing can carry through to literally any topic. I just dribbled on in my notes some modern day tribes, Facebook versus Twitter or whatever other social media that I'm not up to date with the latest thing. Obvious things are team sports, religions, and then the, even the breakdowns within said religion you're looking at. Any interest. And of course, all the rest that falls into like hobbies and other less things. But then there's politics, which probably. I would say in America has the strongest ties to loyalists amongst whoever they identify with. Some of that though is like you were, like I was saying earlier, like with it's something they've learned over time. Like they've learned they like this group because of the, maybe over time they like the way they vote in most subjects or um, most uh, hot button odd topics. Just like you learn to like, whatever brand of car you like, whether it's Nissan, Honda, or Toyota, because you had so many problems with the other one, it's just experience has, has let them be that way. So I'm not, we're not saying that it's all bad. It's just they are part of this group, and it's definitely their tribe. And I think sometimes it's a default group, meaning it's not so much the enamorization or love of the group as it is the hatred of the other group. Right. But it kind well, of goes back to that. Republican, so I'm going to be whatever they're not. Or the fact that there is, let's say, an issue where there, let's just pick gun right, guns and things like that. If you are staunchly against that, 
then you may align with the said Democrat candidate because, and even if you don't agree with anything else, just because they are going to be more of the ones that are anti that. Even though there might be some other thing that the, say, the Republican side might be in line with your thinking on some other thing, but because that's like one of your buttons, you're like, no, I'm just going to choose to be part of this other one because I hate that particular one. Then that leads to group think and on and on it goes. Which that kind of is more equivalent back to that, the enemy of my enemy. It's not so much that, oh, I fall in line with all these other things. It's just I am opposed to the opposition of this guy. So by proxy, I'm mm-hmm. adopting this guy. I read a, I think it was an article. I don't think it was a, a book I was reading out of. It's from um, BeHumanProject.org. And that t- yeah, it's an article. The title of the article was Are Humans Naturally Tribal? It's by Steve Knight. It was uh, March of 14. It says that group think is powerful for rallying action around a single idea, but it's terrible when we need to brainstorm together for um, to find a novel solution to a problem. So, like, basically what they're saying is it's great when you have just a single idea, you're all, you know, against it, or it's a group think to, to solve that. But when it's a new problem, you're just automatically going to um, count out what somebody else thinks that's in the different group from you what they think about this issue just because they're part of that other group what they're thinking can't possibly be right that it's also i don't know if it meant to be buried in that but it almost get into that you can't if you're dealing with a complex or a new problem for a large group that what, what were the words he used it's difficult or impossible to do that um it's Yes, this is terrible when we need to brainstorm for novel solutions. So if you're trying to brainstorm for a new way to deal with or stance on whatever as the head of or part of a large group, I think that's why mob rule kind of idea doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Like You need to have elected officials and you can take them in and out. You know, that's the right we have. But um, trying to do things on a big scale for a new or novel problem involving everybody would i mean what is it called on your local county and or state level when you vote this or that oh gosh it seems like it starts with an r and some sound like an idiot sure what you mean not, like ratify we're we're gonna have a sales tax or we're not gonna have this or that and, and, yes we don't see that on national issues and there's probably some governmental thing that somebody's screaming right now saying that's why but i also think that would be impossible because you're trying to make all these decisions all the time. Oh, all right. right. Well, it's, we'll that's put why this we're, up. Yeah, that's why we're, we're we're a republic and not a true democracy. A true democracy, right. everybody gets Mob to say. And, yeah. And um, republic, you have somebody who just represents you generally. Right. For better or for worse, but it definitely makes it a cleaner product. And it could go either way. But back to being like groupthink and... Um, Surrounding yourself with, you know, people who just agree with you and it makes you your views more um, extreme or more entrenched in that that idea and you delegitimize those who are different. Um, It's kind of the same issue when you're trying to find um, answers to novel problems like, you know, people are tribal, they go to their own group, like, you know, in a business like all the. And for good reason, all the like advertising people are in one and the editors are in another and right. you know, they're all in different groups. And in schools, it's the same way. Like the chemistry department's on this um, floor and the physics are on this floor. Apparently, there's a building at MIT called Building 20 where the 
infrastructure of it or the structure itself is it's hard to get around. It's confusing, which means people get like lost a lot. And so there there's cohabitation of scientists from different disciplines. And so they're often running into each other. And so it, it says it sparks frequent unplanned connections between researchers who are ordinarily would have never crossed paths. Hmm. Interesting. Get a uh, crossover of brilliant minds who wouldn't necessarily be working together. Right. Like all the physics people would have been together and then they just happened to create these uh, networks because they know them. And then, hey, maybe I'll go ask Joe about this, what he thinks, you know. And But I have found that it, once you get them into upper science, there's not much, like pretty much all is physics. I'm getting a lot of birds today outside the window. I haven't been mentioning them, but there's been about one of every color. There's a, I guess it's a blue jay. Large. Is that the only? Is that the only yeah, it's big. It's blue and white. Blue bird. Yeah. Blue birds almost totally blue with a little bit of red or orange on it, and it's a much smaller. No, I'm pretty sure there's a blue jay. It looks just like the blue jay's bird, so it's got to be a blue jay. And there was a cardinal, so it was red, and the dove's still sitting over there in the bird bath, and all these little finch type <laughs> plain birds. They're in their own little tribes. Brought to you by the Audubon Society. <laughs> None of them are getting in the Rock City Birdhouse, though. That thing must have roaches. <laughs> Bed now, bugs. Uh, One of five, do not recommend. <laughs> is there a Yelp review on your Rock City Birdhouse out there? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it must be. All the other birds know about it. Better yet, there's probably the corpse of a former bird in there, and they're like, yeah, don't go in there. I'm not sure what <laughs> happened here. There's a chalk outline of a bird around the outside of the door. It's not good. We need to build a giant one for them to get in. You get some riffraff out there in your birdhouses. It hangs, though, too. And I wonder if that, because it makes it move more, maybe they don't want to be in it. Like, it's not up on one of those posts that you see some of them on. It's hanging on like a shepherd's hook. Right. I I don't know the answer to this, but you just kind of kicked off an idea with your that study where the, the different disciplines got together. I've often wondered how things connect because there's a lot of inventions or you know great things of time have came from a collaboration of different bodies and the one that i think of it relates to our field in medicine is i want to say it was in the 70s i think the drug came out in the 80s but it was the work that some researchers were doing on the brazilian viper which long story made short is how we end up with ace inhibitors because captopril came from one of the proteins that were isolated in the snake venom because the mm-hmm. story is there, you know, it bites its prey, this particular mouse or whatever. And one of the things they observed in it was the blood pressure just went whoop, bottomed out. And they're like, huh, I wonder if that would be useful. So those people spent their time looking for all that. I don't believe they were necessarily employed by any major drug manufacturer or anything like that, but somehow it went from that to it crossed over into the drug industry. I've always been right. curious as to how the crossovers happen. I'm sure somebody had the idea and maybe just sold it to somebody. Who knows? Any um, secrets you found about tribalism or things that you don't think most people know or have heard of or something more obvious that we haven't crossed? Uh, I don't think so. Um, other than you like think it's good or bad? Or could you say? I don't think you can. I think it, it's been good to get us where we are and it has its purpose. But I think... We as a people, and this goes for so many things we do, um, psychologically or not, we as a people have to realize when it's okay to be tribal and when it's okay to maybe think, hey, maybe I need to think outside of this and say, 
Um, maybe it's bad that I'm that way. And it could be for anything, whether it's looking at other people or brands that you like or whatever it is, you're this type of person. Maybe it's okay to be the other type of person, but it, you know, but you hear that a lot from people. I just like to say, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes that's all you have. Um, and like some of these articles said, you can only recognize so many things and so many people. Stereotypes are there because it's a generalization that have helped us survive for so long. Um, maybe it's okay to use those initially. And then after you've, learn who the person is or isn't, you know, you can cast those to the side. Um, so I think that's one way to look at it other than just what you hear all the time now, like cast all of it aside. And then if that's the case, then people aren't going to do it. Like, you know, we, it's just like the example with a lion or a tiger. You see a lion or a tiger, you don't know that lion or tiger, but you know that it can kill and eat you. So <laughs> you avoid it. Or maybe it's a tame one that has no claws or teeth. And it just wants to cuddle. Well, you can find that out later. <laughs> but at the moment, Hopefully. you think maybe it, maybe that's not the case or whatever. Or, you know, maybe other than looking at somebody and saying, you know, that's somebody I can help, you know, without or offer advice to, maybe you need to just wait and see who they are before you offer any advice or try to help them. Maybe they don't want it. Maybe offering it is, could be bad for you. You just don't, you know, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing until people refuse to um, be bigger than whatever tribe they're in and say, well, maybe, maybe I can step outside of this idea. I think it's okay to be in it for a certain period and then maybe step outside of it. Once you have more information. Have you ever thought about what your Venn diagram of your tribes would look like? Like how many Uh, over overlapping loops would you have? Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. Would that be a sign of diversity? I think everybody, though, is part of a bunch of different groups. It's just hard to, they're just, some people just are not going to be, get along, whether they're, even if they're in some similar groups, they're just not going to like each other on an individual basis. I I don't know that everybody's part of a lot of different groups. I I will say there's, I know a, X number of people who seem to be very diverse and part of lots of different things. But at the same time, I can think of examples of people, their Venn diagram probably looks like two circles. Sadly, (laughs) that's small. It's a small mind there. Yeah. And I, you know, who's to say why that is, if that's just based on the way life and their experiences have led them, that's one thing. But if it's exclusionary by choice, I don't know. I think that's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of a take home thing. If if your Venn diagram of your tribes looks like one single loop or two, maybe mm-hmm. you should explore other ideas. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily adopt them, but just explore them. You might like something that you think you don't like. You're the only, you're the only one losing out. You know, being that way. Open your mind. That's my advice on almost everything. Is open your mind. Do you think about it? I do think some folks have a worry of their own safety, whether that's physical harm or whatever, social. That's one reason why they stay to their self or stay within size because they don't want to be part of something that fails or their perception thereof. Well, and that goes back to the very first thing we said was um, they want to be part of this group because it gives them another flag to fly. Like, hey, I'm part of this. Makes them more than what they are. So maybe they're afraid if they step outside of it, they'll raise the wrong flag and be something that they're not. 
I mean, that's giving people a huge benefit of the doubt. I think it's more about small mindedness, but uh, could be. We can try to be positive, end it on a positive way. Flags to fly. Today's the day this to talk about that. It's a much more difficult thing to talk about than it's almost too big. Thought. It's very choppy, and it's because there's so many things that all ties into it. It is kind of a. We really needed an. I think we need an. It would have been good to have an expert, like you were saying earlier, to say, "Well, actually, there's this study because we just don't know enough." But it's a. Uh, hopefully, it's got enough people interested. Maybe they can check out some of these um, other things we've read because there's so much in these articles I read that it's just difficult to discuss. We definitely should check out some of those links that are going to be in there. Well, there's the social phenomenons that are wrapped up in your tribes. But there's also the psychological that are like your needs for the inside version of you and then there's your needs that are for the more i guess it's more intrinsic and extrinsic whereas you you want to be part of this out of the other to fly your flag but some of it what you want to be part of is because of your own personal needs and where you may have insecurities of things mm-hmm. this one could have been this this idea could be a tie-in to almost many other topics we've talked about whether it's uh identities and taste yeah identities and taste and fear uh yeah, fear for sure. Because we hadn't even we didn't even mention the amygdala yet. How that? No. How that in your brain, um, subconsciously drives things. Like in one of the articles, it was talking about when white and black people were. Um, and this is just an article or just a, a test. We're given showing photos of the opposite race, and instantly the amygdala was firing off. And for those who don't know, basically hmm. the amygdala fires off fires off your um, fight or flight or whatever the new, the new way to say it. Um, it instantly gives you anger or fear, and it was subconscious. These people didn't choose that; it was just doing it. So it was a, an instinct. Um, and then, like, and when the when the situation changed, like I say, it was a a white person seeing a black person, but the black person was a doctor um, helping a white patient. Like that, the amygdala immediately was stopped by higher functioning parts of the brain. Um, which just so the amygdala was part of the tribal thing initially, but once your your cortex or whatever it is that the higher functioning part of your brain kicked in, you, it it gets those makes those stereotypes go away. And there was another example for the other, but I don't I don't remember it. But it just there's just so much to it. We kind of just touched on the generalities of it, and so the that's why my basic take home message was just try to step outside of it and just look around and see what may or may not you be missing out on. You don't happen to remember the date of this study, do you? Uh, let me see. I have it in my notes here somewhere. I'm just curious if it's a modern article. day. I think or it was. Like, oh, it, all, everything I read was 2010 and above. So it was going to be 12 or 14. Let me see if I can find it here. Is it about the amygdala hijack? Um, no, not in general. Okay, so this was in the yes, it was in the Newsweek article. Um, from biologist E.O. Wilson on why humans like ants need a tribe is the name of the article. Hmm. It was on 4-2-2012 in Newsweek. I think that's the one that I enjoyed reading the most out of all these stacks and stacks I took notes on. There's just so much to all of it. Uh, trying to generalize it all down. I would like to know how different parts of the world with that same test would score. I think we are unique here being the melting pot that we have more problems and things to deal with that are we're we're unfairly judged by others because they don't have the same instincts that we're trying to fight back that 
they don't have the same instincts they're fighting that we do because we have so many other creeds, cultures, ideals, religions, everything here that maybe people in um, China or India or wherever don't 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 experience. Um, so it would be interesting to see what other people thought about this in their day to day life, not their opinion on America or North America, because um, you can throw Canada in there as well. Um, how how they would what their opinion would be on it versus what we're talking about as far as tribal stuff. They would be more, I think, apt to be like Android or Apple, and there would be more of their ideas. I think, or you know, like Chinese, Japanese stuff like that. I would think. Who knows for sure till you talk to them. Well, and the I guess the real nuts and bolts of the amygdala and its response is what it views as um, unpleasant. I guess might be the generic way to put that more in depth you know maybe reading on my part to kind of understand like how does that form i would imagine experience in life lizard brain yeah 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 but something's got to be feeding that because well maybe it's it's not born with i don't i would think it's not born with the general idea of what you just laid out or maybe it is maybe it literally is just a visual how similar or different uh, another person's appearance is in mine creates this sort of immediate like uh i need to judge the situation yeah they're not part of my tribe are they to harm me or they what's the the thing here i think that's a natural thing and i think it is passed down um i can't remember what study it was and it's gonna be super general so it's maybe not be me worth even mentioning but there was something i read one time that people of a certain way maybe we talked about it in identities people of a certain way their children are more apt to be that way even when they weren't raised by them so it was some type of like memory like in your a, DNA epigenetics is passed down hmm. it's a lot more complicated than i ever once thought meaning mm-hmm. what the the argument of nurture versus nature and a lot of more recent um studies and things have shown it's not uh, purely just one way or the other. There's a whole idea of what can be turned on and turned off. Right. It's not, it's not all by choice. It's just some of it's not by choice. But like I was saying with that study with the doctor, you can use your higher brain matter, though, and overcome it often because we're not cavemen anymore. You know what I mean? Like we're, we are where we are, and you can, you can overcome some of that. Now, initially, it's not your fault to be part of something like that, but I think you, you do have the ability to say, hey, I get where that's coming from, but I'm going to choose to not let it run my life. Yeah, I think oh. you see that in the more educated people. And it's, Let's say one last thought on that. If I'm that, That's digging my head into a deep, deeper hole, and that is, let's say you're someone who's troubled by whatever that is, some, some idea or experience in life, and you're thinking, wait a minute. Let, Maybe that's something that's jaded me based on my society. What does my inner voice say? Well, in this case, your inner voice is telling you something that looks kind of ugly, judged by outside view of that. You just have to use or your uh, prefrontal cortex to safe. rationalize yeah. that. Right. Yeah, it's for your own safety at first, but yeah, you can you can use your higher power to to fix it if it's not true, or if it's you know just some kind of evolutionary thing that's maybe going away. Or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. Well, I do know that tribe tribes a big thing, and they like to be small. <laughs> and same goes for the length of a discussion. This one discussion that can start small can get large really quick. It never ends. So many different facets you can go down talking about this. Well, maybe we should have uh, made it specifically towards Toyotas and Chevrolets. 
Possible. And um, Mayfield ice cream instead of Briars. Oh, see, now you're starting to get on very sensitive issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're from uh, the Mayfield. Land. Oh, yeah. I don't, know how, I don't know how anybody could consider that Briars thing you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I have some family in uh, southern Georgia that don't know much about the Holy Mayfield. That's unfortunate. They should it take is. a uh, field trip to Athens, Tennessee and go check out the Mayfield farm and enjoy a sample of the ice cream. Don't know that you can even get the milk much further from East Tennessee, maybe North Georgia and Alabama. You can, I don't even know if you can get it. Have you seen it in Middle Tennessee? Tennessee? I have. Mm, nah, no, I've seen I've seen the ice cream as far well, cream south as anywhere. Birmingham. Okay. I Which I was kind of surprised. I'm not sure. Well, so my challenge for next time or anybody else is go find your favorite ice cream. (laughs) See what tribe you belong to. Mm -hmm. Turtle tracks. I bet that's Briars, though. All right, everyone. Enjoy your day. Seen a bunch of run-down new horse towns where the church is the backbone, loves in the bow. And the five-string melodies grooving With the farmland rows where the roots run deep Beyond the noise of the busy streets Where the songs of the south are soothing And I hear the front porch picking down home rhythm ringing out I don't run from banjo music Yeah The sound of a memory me back to the bluegrass playing on my dad's a track. His pickup men had been through it. Getting through the day on scrugs and skags, booking a bales to those Tennessee jams. There's no other way that I'd do it. And I hear the front porch picking down home rhythm ringing out. I don't run from banjo music. Yeah.
sweet tea comes out. 